Ooh, thank you, choir. That was wonderful. Good morning. Now, let me do that. That sounded so good. One more time. Good morning. If I have never met you, my name is Ben Mathis, and I, I start my Christmas right here and have for 35 years, I think, and it means so much to me. Thank you, as ever, for letting me come back and see you again. You have been literally a part of my life for 35 years. That's, that's hard to fathom that I'm that old. But anyway, it's good to be here with you today. In your bulletin, there is a printout like this. It has a lot of Bible verses on it. I've never done a sermon with so many Bible verses, but I did this today because I want to ask you to keep this, to take it with you from church today, because I think in the days in which we're living right now, these will speak to you, and my prayer is that, just like the second candle, this will help you have peace in a very difficult time in this world. With that said, let's go to the Lord in prayer, and then let's go to our scriptures for this morning. Let's pray together. Our Father and our God, we ask that you clear our hearts and minds of the cares of this day. Let us come to your word expecting to be fed. For Jesus' sake, amen. Now, we just chose two of the verses to share, but they're very powerful. Listen, they're both on this sheet. The first is from the very first chapter of Joshua, when God says to Joshua and to you, I thereby command you, be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened or dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. And the second passage is from Romans, the fifth chapter. The proof of God's amazing love is this, in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. Keep these, because I want to tell you about Tim Eager. Tim was a member of the Destin, Florida Rotary Club. He asked me to come and speak because I've spent so many years fighting a terrible and unnecessary disease called polio. I went to Florida and I spoke. We had a big time. And then afterwards, Tim came up to me and he said, my wife has a gift for you. And I thought, you know, that's great. I'm trying to raise a couple of million bucks. That's great. Here comes this lady that looks like she could have come from any pew in this church. She walks up to me and goes, Ben Mathis, do you see them? And I said, no, ma'am, I don't believe I do. And she said, Ben Mathis, you are surrounded by the biggest, meanest, best looking angels I have ever seen. And Ben Mathis, that's why you are still alive. And I said, thank you. I believe that. And then Tim came and he said, that's her gift. My wife can see angels. And I thought about Psalm 91 on our little sheet. Basically it says, he'll put his angels around you to protect you in all your ways. I shared that experience with Umba Ngandu. Umba and I have worked together for over 20 years. He runs all of our work in a country called the Congo. It's an incredibly difficult place to do anything. Umba and I are like family. Umba is Christian. He acknowledged and accepted that, yes, there are angels that protect us. I was in the Congo specifically because we've had a, a huge influx of a terror organization called Hezbollah and a huge influx of communist Chinese, all moving into this huge and very poor country in an attempt to get their diamonds their cobalt, their uranium, their coal tan that's found in every single cell phone, 
and to tie up the potential of the hydroelectric power in this country. I went over there knowing that Hezbollah would be there and the Chinese are there, and I went there to do to them what I am doing to you right now. If you have a cell phone, please take out your cell phone and look for Wi-Fi and raise your hand when something looks odd. Let's see who gets it first. Go to settings, say Wi-Fi, hit Wi-Fi, and then raise your hand when you see something out of the ordinary. There's one, there's two, there's three. What you're seeing on your cell phone is some words in Arabic, aren't you? That Arabic says, free Wi-Fi. Now let's imagine you're a terrorist sitting in a restaurant somewhere, and you pull out your phone just like we did right now, and you look for Wi-Fi, and it says free Wi-Fi in your own language. You're going to get excited about that, and you're going to hit free Wi-Fi, aren't you? If you do, I have you. So let's just stop right now. I'll turn this off, because if you do, the only place you can go is to my page. And if you go to my page, it's going to do one of two things to you. It's either going to audibly download in Arabic a passage of Scripture called the Sermon on the Mount, or it's audibly going to download what's called the Jesus film in Arabic into your phone. And many of you know that I have been spending part of my time in difficult places around the world sharing the gospel with Hezbollah, with Russians occupying parts of other countries, with Vietnamese people where it's illegal, and all in a way to use technology in what we call preemptive Christianity. They don't love us because they don't know us. What a great way to get to know us. As we speak, it started yesterday. There's a conference happening in Mississippi, in Mississippi, a conference happening in Mexico right now that started yesterday with what I'm about to tell you. Because Umba and I went to a Lebanese restaurant that by day is just a Lebanese restaurant. At night, it's filled with Hezbollah terrorists. The first night we went in there, there were 37 Hezbollah. We sat in the corner. There's some Congolese eating over here. There's Umba and me and the terrorists. And we broadcast the gospel to these men. And it was very exciting. We went back two nights later, and there were 50 Hezbollah, 20 Congolese over here, and Umba and me. And as we ate dinner, we were broadcasting, and we watched as all of a sudden, all the Congolese got up and walked out the door without paying their bill, and they were not a group. Someone told them, it's time for you to go, and they did. As soon as they walked out the door, the Hezbollah guys started doing this straining and craning their necks, looking at Umba and me, the leader even separated from me by a post, leaning back in his chair like that so he can stare at me. And you know me well enough. I leaned right back and stared at them. And then they all stood up and all together, they walked out the door and I knew that things had gone bad. I realized there's only one door out of here. I have to walk out that door also. But then the windows are glass, the door is glass, and I realized all 50 of these men have walked right out the door, and they are now sitting on their trucks, and they're staring inside the window at Umba and me, the only two people left in this restaurant. I said to Umba, I believe we've been discovered. And Umba very calmly said, yes, we have. And I said, Umba, let me tell you what we're going to do. We're going to say our prayers. We're going to walk right over here and pay the lady. And then we're going to walk out the door of this restaurant like we own the place. And he said, that's right. 
you know, I have a fake hip. I can't run. My intention, if it went like I expected it to go, would be to distract these people long enough so that Umba could get away. We prayed together. We paid our bill. We walked the distance from here to the back of the church. We walked out the door, and when we stepped out the door into the presence of all these terrorists, they were gone. They were gone. They were there a second ago. When we walked out the door, they were gone. We looked both ways down the street. You can see forever. There are no trucks beating it off into the distance. They're just gone. And it was so stunning. Umba and I just stood there staring and then stared at each other. And neither of us said anything. And finally, somebody said, the angels have protected us. And the other one said, praise God. And we didn't say anything else. We walked back to our hotel just stunned at what had happened. And if he wasn't with me at the time, I would never have told you the story. I sat in my hotel room that night in awe, but then I started thinking about back here, and I started thinking about the doors that we have to walk through in life. Oh, you may not have to walk through the door expecting Hezbollah to be on the other side, but we all have tough things we have to face. And now after Paris, after London, after California, we wonder what's happening to this country we walk out a door, we don't know what we're going to face. God, how do we face tomorrow? And that's why I put together this list. And I started thinking, you know, if we were walking down the street, and, and I walked right up to you, I said, well, tell me who you are. You might say, well, I'm Don. I'm a businessman. I've got some great kids. I've had a wonderful life. Uh, I have a lot of fun in my life. Or you might say, I'm a grandmother, and I've got three grandchildren. Take up every moment of my time and all my money. It is so much fun. Or you might be shaking like this and go, well, I'm a mother, and i got three kids. What do you think life is like? <laughs> but I wonder how many of us, if I said, tell me who you are, would say, I, well, I'm a child of God. I wonder how many of us would actually do that. But here's what I understand. Listen to this. Look at these passages. See what love the Father has given us that we should be called children of God because that's who we are. For the proof of God's amazing love is this, while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. We love those passages, don't we? Shake your head. You know why you like them? You like them because it says us and we. And that really lets you off the hook. It's different if you do it like this. The proof of God's amazing love is this, I am a sinner and Christ died for me. Say that with me. The proof of God's amazing love is this. I am a sinner and Christ died for me. All of a sudden, that's a lot more personal. Look at the next one. See what love the Father has given me, that I should be called a child of God because that's what I am. Say that with me. See what love the Father has given me, that I should be called a child of God, and that's what I am. As soon as you start affirming that you're not just any old body, you are a child of God. I don't care if people have made fun of you all your life. I don't care if you're married to the meanest person this side of anywhere. You are a child of God, and you start building that into who you are and look at yourself in the mirror, and in the morning you wake up and look in the mirror, and instead of going, oh, oh gosh, oh, really? instead of that, look in the mirror and say, I'm a child of God. And if you will affirm that and build that into your identity, you will receive the very same courage that God gave Joshua in the first chapter of Joshua, you will receive that same courage that Joshua received 
3,800 years ago when God said to him, do not be frightened or dismayed for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Have you been to our pastor training schools in the DR? Has Randy? Then you may know this fella. Do you know Pastor Batiste? Oh, you'll know him when I tell you who he is because he'll make you real uncomfortable. You know, there's always somebody, you know. We do these pastor training schools. They, they have been there. They've taught. And it's a lot of fun because men and women come who are pastoring small rural churches and they're hungry to learn just basics and you get to do Bible study and talk about things and it's, it's more fun until Pastor Batiste shows up and he shows up and he doesn't ask a question like, well, tell me about Noah. He doesn't do that. Instead, he'll say, you know, in the fifth chapter of John, the seventh chapter of Luke, over in Thessalonians and then back into Romans, there's a theme that runs through this. Could you explain it to me real quickly? And you're sitting there going, what? What? Then he says it again. You're sitting there thinking, oh, my goodness, this man knows his Bible. And then you realize something. That man can't see. That man is blind. And that man has memorized the entire New Testament. And I'm supposed to answer questions for him? He's memorized the whole New Testament. He now he's learning the New he's learning the, He memorized the New Testament. Now he's learning the Old Testament because we got him a solar Bible that has it on there and he can listen to it till he memorizes it. He learned the New Testament by having his daughter read it to him again and again and again. He's born in a, a hut in Haiti. He's a blind child who could have stayed curled up on the ground and ended up as a beggar on the streets of Laogon, but he realized something early on. I'm a child of God. The light may not shine through these eyes, but the light of Christ can shine through me. And so he prepared himself by memorizing the entire New Testament. Think about that. Affirm who you are in Christ. You will receive the courage that God gave to Joshua. That begins the process of transforming who you are. I, I wish we could read minds because I'd love to know what you watched on TV and the internet in the last three days. Love to know what you read in the last three days. I'd love to hear the type of music you listen to in the last three days. And then if you look at me and say, Ben, I'm just depressed and down the dumps all the time, I'd say, well, guess why? Look what you've been putting in here. I read this the other day. This is so powerful. It's helping me. This is a tough time of year. Let's be honest. For a lot of us, the holidays are anything but joyful. They're painful and filled with memories and things that sometimes are not that good. If you find yourself down in the dumps, you're probably trying to live in your past. If you find yourself anxious and worried, you're probably trying to live into the future. If you want to be at peace, that has to be in this very present moment. Let me tell you what I mean about that. Right this very moment, right where you are right now, right this very moment, you're pretty comfortable. Right this very moment, you might be a little warm, but you're not hot, you're not cold. Right this very moment, you might be sleepy, but that's my fault. But right this very moment, you're safe, aren't you? And right this very moment, you know and I know that God has you in the palm of his hand. And right this very moment, everything's okay, isn't it? 
If you wake up down in the dumps in the middle of the night, if you wake up on a toss and turn because you're anxious, make yourself stop and say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I'm, I'm under the covers. I'm okay. I'm safe. God has me in the palm of his hands. There's no reason for me not to just relax and go back to sleep. I'm okay. And you know what? If you can do that for a moment, you can do it for a moment and a half. Then you can do it for a couple of moments. You might even get up to a minute or two. That might turn into 30 minutes. You might get to a point where at some point in your world, you wake up one day and go, oh my goodness, I have spent the entire day living in the very present tense with Christ and everything's just fine. And you will find a peace that you've never had before. Listen to what it says again. If anyone is in Christ, there's a new creation. The old has passed away. And I love this translation. The old has passed away. See, everything new. Everything has become new. See, isn't that great? It says, don't be conformed to the world, but by the renewing of your mind, be transformed. That begins when we live in the present moment with Jesus. And when you have learned to do that for an entire day, then you are ready to join me on the Rio Grande de Madagalpa. Isn't that great? Sound like Ricardo Montalvan, didn't it? Let me try again. The Rio Grande de Madagalpa. Who was in Sunday school with me this morning? I told you I was going to do that. This is a 60-mile stretch of river in eastern Nicaragua that is breathtaking. Beautiful jungle, absolutely beautiful river, 19 communities, and no one's doing ministry there of any significance except Roe. And we've committed to transform all the villages along this 60-mile stretch of river. It's incredible. We come up the river and we got to a little village called Esperanza where there's an oxbow. The river does this. And on the land in the circle, there's a little village called Esperanza. So you always get out and you walk across the land here while the boat comes all the way around like that. So we got out and we're walking through Esperanza and they have a church. It was built in 1930 by Moravian missionaries. It's wonderful. They're having worship. We go inside, we sing. The music's just dreadful. But you smile and everybody tries to big, it's just great. You come back outside and four men on horseback go riding by just another day on this little village. Then we're walking along and we're greeted by a young father who has the universal face of a parent who is desperately concerned for the child he's carrying in his arms. And this father is walking along like this and he's got a little boy about David's size in his arms. And we stopped and we say, what's wrong? And the father looks at us and explains that his son has just fallen from a horse and split his thigh from the knee all the way up, all the way to the bone. And he's got to get this child to the hospital. Then the hospital is 40 miles in a dugout canoe. That child will either bleed to death or die from exposure. And dad can manage to push his dugout canoe up this river. But you know what? Roe was there. Roe was there, and we happened to have a boat. We also happened to have a, a first aid kit as big as your communion table. We had Peter and Raul, who are emergency med techs, who grabbed that first aid kit. They came running and found that dad. They took that child. They got him stabilized and wrapped him up like that. It was perfect. Then they carried him down to the boat because we've got a boat and we've got a motor and we've got fuel. But best of all, we've got this fella who is half again as big as I am named Chiquito, who is our captain, and he can drive like nobody's business. And Chiquito snatched that little boy up, settled him down in the boat. You saw a picture of it today. His father was holding him. Chiquito had that boy in the hospital in less than an hour, and Avilio is just fine. Thank you very much. Say amen. amen. 
You know what that was? That was a success. That was a success. It wasn't a victory. It was a success. Success is when you use the gifts God's given you to bring glory to Jesus Christ. I'll say it to you again. Success is when you use the gifts God's given you to bring glory to Jesus. And for Roe, oh, we know jungle rivers. We can do a jungle river because we're going to have a boat. We're going to have a first aid kit. We're going to have a Peter and a Raul. We're going to stabilize that child. We're going to have the medicine. We're going to have the fuel. And we're going to have somebody great and big and huge like Chiquito that can drive like nobody's business. And if you go anywhere on the Rio Grande de Matagalpa and say, do you know the story of Avilio? Everybody in that river goes, praise God, he's okay. Christian, what's your gift? What's the gift God gave you? If you have the gift of, of encouragement, then encourage somebody. If you've got the gift of teaching, let him know it. He'll put you to work teaching. If you have the gift of compassion, just simply hold a hand and share your heart. You know, if you have the gift of making money, talk to me. Let's invest it somewhere that will change the kingdom. And isn't it fun how we laugh at that one? He may mean that. Yeah. You don't talk to me, talk to Randy. We've got so, kind of, so many ways we can take your gift of making money and use it to change the world for Jesus Christ. There's nothing wrong with that. God has given you a gift. And if you want to know how to get the peace that passes all understanding, the peace that started in the manger, that just seems so scarce today, that peace happens when we identify ourselves and affirm that we are children of God. And that in doing that, we claim the courage same courage that was given to Joshua. It's not an option. God says, I command you to be courageous. It isn't a suggestion. It's a command. Once we allow our minds to be transformed by the working of the Holy Spirit, then we will be ready to take the gifts God's given us to bring glory to Jesus Christ. And I can't think of anything more fun and exciting than that. God bless you. You stay strong. God bless America, and Merry Christmas. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word from, from angels who look after us to a sense of courage that comes with our identity of belonging to you. We gather at the foot of the manger today, Lord, awaiting the celebration and the remembrance of the birth of the Christ child. In that beautiful infant, may we find the innocence that enables us to use the gifts you've given us to lay them at his feet. For Jesus' sake, amen.